Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm always glad when you take time just to spend time and listen to this information. I am really happy when people are really working on being their own best version of themselves, because it's quite an endeavor to take on, and it is a lifetime work, that's for sure. So we ended yesterday um, on relationship rules, and we've been talking about relationship rules, who needs them, and what the point of rules are about, and that when rules are working, we know they are working because freedom is created, peace is established, people feel secure, we get a much better version of people. We don't want to do rules that are oppressive, restrictive, uh, judgmental, shaming, these types that steal from the person their ability to be that authentic self. So we're going to finish up that list on relationship rules. And again, remember, we're going to have that uh, hopefully on the website. I'm hoping by the end of the week at the very latest. And then we're going to do the next two shows, the last half of this and the one tomorrow. We're going to end with the biggest sex and relationship killers. And we're going to talk about, hey, this is what will kill a relationship. So we left off with this, this idea, I'm going to reiterate our famous verse for this show, this all-encompassing verse that's Matthew 22, 35 through 42. And this is the message version, and it says the most important rule, the, that's what it's called, that's, what, that's the, the title of these two, two verses. And it says, when the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. One of their religion scholars spoke for them, posing a question they all hoped would show up Jesus. They said, Jesus, which command in God's law is the most important, teacher? It's kind of derogatory. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is where rules come from passion for safety, peace, joy, prayer to get wisdom on how to establish that rule, what rules apply, what rules will help, and then the intelligence, the common sense to know how to do them and to commit to them. And then he goes on to say, this is the most important, the first on any list. But there is a second set, and it comes alongside it. So even though he's listing it second, he's saying it stands next to the first one, which is to love your Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. The second one to set alongside it is love others as well as you love yourself. So if you're just tuning in today, last week we talked about connecting God's way, why God wants us in relationship, relationship with God and relationship with ourself. Because when we do those two well, we are going to love people really well. So we left off on number 13. And this is knowing the difference between dysfunction, gender, and temperament. 
When I do uh, couples counseling, I used to start with identifying and diagnosing all the different dysfunction that was in the relationship, and we would work on changing that dysfunction. And then I came to really realize that a much more effective way and a softer, gentler, kinder way is I educate on temperament, gender, and lots of times I use um, the Love Languages book. And we start to find that if you really understand the opposite sex well, a lot of things you thought were dysfunction weren't dysfunction at all. They were just like eye color. That's just how that temperament works. The same way when I use the example of you don't walk behind a horse and expect not to get kicked. Even though horses are prey animals, they're not carnivores, so they're not aggressive. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's a fear reaction. They feel very vulnerable because they can't see behind them, and that's usually how they get attacked by bobcats and cougars. So they naturally kick unless they know you're there and know who you are. This is not a dysfunction of horse, just what horses do, right? So when you think about understanding gender, wow, this is, this is really how men are. Then you can appreciate them for really who they are, have compassion on them, and know better how to support them, accept them, and love them, and enjoy them. And the same goes for women. I say to men frequently, you're attracted to women, you wanted a woman, you got a woman. And I say the same about men. You're attracted to men, you wanted a man, you got a man. This is what they do. And when we better understand temperament, and I really like the Myers-Briggs, and we're going to do a week on that as well. And if you want to take that test online, you can go to a place called 16 Personalities. It's called the Myers-Briggs Temperament Inventory. It's extremely helpful in understanding temperament, lifestyle, how you think, how you feel, how you, how you make decisions, whether you want to be alone more often than not, whether you crave being around people. And then the love languages is always extremely helpful to know what really makes that person feel loved. Because if you do their primary love language, you get a lot bigger bang for your buck, right? So know the difference between dysfunction and the hardwiring of the person and the way they're made. Be careful of your own internal dialogue. This is extremely important. What you're telling yourself about your partner, your children, your boss, your friends, how you are narrating your life. What is the commentary? In other words, what story are you telling yourself about yourself? What story are you telling yourself about others? Sometimes these are the things we need to check out. Because if I'm not careful, this directly affects how I interact with them, how willing I am to love them, how much patience, tolerance, acceptance I have for them, how much forgiveness I have for them. So we want to be very careful about hearing how we're thinking and what we allow ourselves to think about someone. How much judgment do I entertain? That's corrupting my own internal world. Because God says that's, that's a big no-no. Big, big. So number 15. I always like this one. I say to people, here's a rule that you need to practice. If you enjoy being loved, be lovable. If you want to be liked, be likable. Don't make it so difficult on everybody. Who has adults that want to work that hard? Our lives are hard enough. We work hard for abused animals, taking care of pets. We work really hard with little children that are difficult and many times unlovable and not very likable. So 
This is what you want to think about. Don't don't be hard to, to like. Don't be hard to love. Make that easy on people. And that doesn't mean being codependent. That doesn't mean being a pushover That that or a doormat. That means you liking yourself, you loving yourself. When you do, you teach that to others. And it calms everything down. A lot less stress. So lead the situation the encounter as good as it was before you were there, if not better. The ideal is to lead the person, leave them feeling better than how you found them. In other words, I want the effect I have on a person to be positive. I want them to be glad and thankful that I'm in their life. I hope their life becomes better because they know me, because I'm in it. I don't want to be the person they have to go to therapy over. I don't want my interaction with them to cause injury so they have to go outside the relationship with me to heal from it, right? We don't want to be those people. We want to be the ones that cause them to heal and be a better version of themselves. Here's another really fun relationship rule when it comes to gender. I say to women, don't listen to what men say. Look at what they do. What they do is what they mean. So if they're working really hard for you, they're going to work every day, they're exhausted, they're tired, they're playing with the kids on the weekend, but they don't really have time for you and they're not talking to you very much, you need to say to yourself, he really loves me. Because look at what he's doing. Look at what he's doing. And then I say to men, don't look at what a woman does, listen to what she says. What she says is what she means. So we might be telling you, that we are unhappy in the relationship. We don't feel loved. We don't feel liked. We don't feel seen. We don't feel desired. But yet, we're doing all your laundry. We're having sex with you. We're making you dinner. We're going out to dinner with your boss and making you look good. And when men see those behaviors, they think they're doing fine. They think the marriage is fine. So it's really important you understand that what men do is what they mean. So they may not be as verbal as the guy over here who's the womanizer that's cheating on you. With women, we know. They tell, we, we tell people we're sick and we're still going to work and taking care of everybody. When men say they're sick, they stay home. They lay in bed until they feel better. So number 18, you only have to work your hardest and be your best in the most significant relationships. Your wife, your husband, your children, your boss, and yourself. So don't give your A version to the stranger at Circle K. You, give, you save up your energy. Make sure you have enough energy for the most significant people in your life. And this rule is really, really helpful. If you're single, if you're wanting to be with someone, if you're feeling like your relationship, current relationship isn't fulfilling, I always say to people, you can't find your soulmate if you don't know your own soul. You need to know you. You need to love you. You need to honor you and respect you. You need to forgive you. So God gave us a head and a heart for a reason. We need to use both. Our head will talk us out of all relationships, and our heart will never leave a relationship. This is why it's important that we have, we have both. Number 21, this is a big one. 
please do not have sex before you're married. Now, I know there's so much argument against it, against, but this is, what I, this is what I really see happening over the years. You learn the top first. You don't start at the bottom of something. It's like building a roof with no house. So if you're building a house, you start with a foundation, and then so that it's a safe enough place to live in. Well, when, when you start with sex as the thing that's connecting you, if you start with sex, it's kind of like living in a house with no walls and no roof. It doesn't protect. The house is there to protect us from elements. The more we work on the foundation of our relationship, on knowing one another, knowing what each other needs, knowing how to treat each other, and we add sex in the appropriate time, then it will be the connector it's supposed to be. It won't be the creator of the relationship. And many times people use sex to create a relationship versus using sex as the thing that connects two people and makes them one. So sex is intended to be an outcome, not the relator, not the, not the creator of your relationship. So here's the last one. This is rules, warnings that the rules are not being used. So if you're not doing rules correctly, if you don't have them, if the, or if the rules you're using are unhealthy, here's what you'll get a lot of. Criticism, defensiveness, emotional withdrawal, and eventually contempt. Once there's contempt in a relationship, 90%, the, the, uh, the, the rate of it breaking up is about 90%. There's about 10% that we might be able to, to fix it, that some have been able to come out of contempt. Once you have contempt in a relationship, it is nearly impossible to redeem. So we need to be very careful about these things. So as we go to this idea of understanding more things, top sex and relationship killers. So just, just as you know, um, we have far more relationship killers than we have sex killers. This is, this is due to the fact that relationship killers always kill sex. So if your relationship isn't working, your sex life is gonna be very difficult. So the only time this is not the case is when we're dealing with someone that struggles with a sex addiction. This is a person st uh, stuck in immaturity. They may have some narcissism, may have lots of trauma. But the issue that I want you to understand is we don't start with trying to fix the sex so the relationship works. When the relationship works, we're safe enough to work on the sex. We feel close enough, safe enough, loved enough, wanted enough to do whatever we might need to do to make that sex life more fulfilling. So like we said a little bit earlier, sex in a relationship is supposed to be the outcome of the relationship, not the creator of it. It's not the foundation. Sex is kind of like in your house, all the beautiful, wonderful, you know, artwork you have and fun technology you have and beautiful food that you eat. That's the enjoyment of the relationship. You have to have a house to live in that's safe enough to be able to house all those things. So let's look at this. 
this whole idea of, of what would be the number one killer of sex, I want you to know this is research-oriented. It is stress. Stress. Not managing stress. And you know Americans are exhausted. Exhausted. The second one is, is problems with the partner, right? Communication and fear of expressing what you like or don't like. If someone is sick or they're injured and that's not handled well, this causes relationship damage. Number three, one of the things that is one of the greatest sex and relationship killers, alcohol. Alcohol used inappropriately. Alcohol used to make something happen. Alcohol used to avoid something. If alcohol becomes a dependency, an addiction, if, it's, if we abuse it, it will eventually start to undermine the relationship and the sex. Number four, too little sleep. That is really hard on relationships because you know that's when people start snapping at each other, um, stressing over each other, misinterpreting each other, taking things personally. Makes it very difficult to have a, a fulfilling love, uh, love life. And number five, unfortunately, I have to tell you, having kids. <laughs> this can be a really big sex and relationship killer. And all the studies that they do, they are showing that the 28 to 40-year-olds with children have the least amount of sex on the planet. The people before 28, the people after 42, all the way up even to 70s and 80s, having more sex than the people that are raising little kids. So just know that's a fact. It doesn't mean that we just accept it. It means that we work harder on our stress. We work harder on how we take care of ourselves physically. It means we are more committed to getting help with the kids so we can take time with our spouse and our partner. Number six, so a relationship killer, sex killer can be medication. And unfortunately, the level of stress, exhaustion, and medication directly uh, oftentimes affects the performance. And it also has different side effects that affect our ability sometimes to relate in a way that we would like. Now, sometimes those medications enhance the relationship, which makes us want to be closer to our, our partner or spouse, but the medication may also be inhibiting the performance. So there's grief and loss many times that we have to contend with that requires much love and support. Another, another um, relationship killer and sex killer is poor body image. And that can go for men and for women because we are very consumed with appearance in our country. So women can feel very, very intimidated if they don't look the way they think they're supposed to, which makes them want to resist being close and many times men can feel the same way. They can feel like they should be performing in ways that they've seen in movies or in pornography. And we have to remind ourselves the enemy of our soul is always condemning us and trying to pull relationships apart. One of his primary goals is to condemn you, judge you relentlessly, and pull the relationships apart. So we also have one of the things that is a, a relationship 
has very negative effects on relationships and sex, obviously, is things like obesity. Obesity or the opposite. When we have eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia, when we have people that are too obsessed with plastic surgery, these things take away from the authenticity of the person. And what happens is we get more consumed on the outward appearance, thinking that's going to make us feel good, than recognizing the thing that makes us feel good, that makes life seem meaningful, is how deep and connective our relationship, how much I feel loved and accepted by you, how, how much I feel known by you and supported and loved even when I have to deal with mistakes I make. Maybe they're big mistakes, but it's knowing I have a friend with my partner that helps it to really be able to also be lovers. And so we have difficulty with erectile dysfunction. We have low T. These types of things are, are affecting people more than they ever have. And again, some of that, that, that low T has a lot to do with repressed anger, rage. We have American men that are finally coming out of this Mr. Nice Guy syndrome. Um, we did a grave disservice uh, in a lot of our media when all the men in the family shows were the idiot, stupid guys. And, and it, it, we did a terrible disservice to men. It was, it's horribly disrespectful to them. And, and so it creates this nice guy syndrome, which creates a lot of anxiety, a lot of aggression, a lot of anger, unresolved and, and stuffed anger and offenses and resentments, very emotionally wounding, and it can turn into some ED issues as well as how prolific pornography is. And we have young men now, and they're under the age of 30, that because they have seen so much pornography, they have performance problems. Now, there can be healing from that, but that's a hard one to unravel. And so it's very important that we take these things seriously. So we're going to end with, with this one, and that is depression. And like we've said in shows before, our country is, is, is on the mo are more psychotropic drugs. We are more overweight. We are more exhausted, and we are more in debt than any other nation in the country. And so depression, and whether or not it's a clinical depression that absolutely can be treated by an antidepressant, or it's an emotional depression, that has to be determined, because if it is a clinical depression, then there can be side effects relationally and sexually from some of those antidepressants, unfortunately. So we have to really be surrounding ourselves with good health caregivers. We want to be committed to caring for ourselves, managing our own internal world so that our internal world is a safe place to live so that the experience that others have is life-giving, not taking from their life and complicating their life and oppressing their life. So we're going to do some more tomorrow. We're going to talk a, a lot more about these top 10 relationship and sex killers. And I want you to have a great day because the nice thing is God always has answers for this. So make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com for all the shows. They will be up at least by the end of the week, if not sooner. Check out Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. 
and God bless your day. Thanks, Jeremy. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.